what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nevchak, alongside Stephen Trinkwald, and we are beginning our team outlooks for the 2022 WNBA season. Stephen, who are we starting with? We are going to start with the Connecticut Sun. Uh, these are kind of our our deep dives, uh, a little bit of a season recap from the previous season, and then kind of looking forward to what to expect in the upcoming season. Let's get right into it here. The Connecticut Sun, they went 26-6 and in the regular season last year. That was good for the number one seed. They were first in net rating at 12.4. Uh, massive, massive number there. They were the third best offense in the league at 104.1 offensive rating and the best defense in the league by a pretty considerable margin, 91.7 defensive rating. They, uh, as the number one seed, of course, in the old playoff format that we won't see anymore, had the double bye to start the playoffs and were upset by the eventual WNBA champion Chicago Sky in four games in the semifinal round. So uh, where do you want to start? Well, uh, the Connecticut Sun, they obviously had a terrific regular season, as you alluded to, uh, and they got quite a bit of hardware for it. You know, John Cole Jones winning MVP, Kurt Miller, Kurt Miller winning Coach of the Year, Brianna Jones winning Most Improved Player. Uh, and it seemed like, you know, heading into this season, you had Alyssa Thomas, who is, I think you could call her their franchise player. Um, she was sidelined with that Achilles injury that she suffered the previous offseason. So they had to basically change how they wanted to play. And they definitely did that. I mean, they came into the season with a clear identity. And for the most part, it was a very successful, albeit limited to regular season identity. Yeah, a little more uh, accolades worth mentioning with four all defensive players in their starting lineup as well. So, I mean, really just a a well-acclaimed team, I guess. And yeah, they were, you know, a little bit of a a kind of caricature team for their identity, right? They had extreme strengths uh, and weaknesses, um, you know, controlling the paint on both ends, dominating the glass on both ends, as you were kind of alluding to without Alyssa Thomas and without really that kind of guard to really push the pace and kind of drive efficient offense in the open court, uh, really kind of grinding the game to a halt, They were bottom four in transition frequency, of course, despite, like every team in the league, pretty much being a much more efficient offense in transition than in the half court. They were not like, you know, their their shot chart was still pretty kind of like um, analytics friendly. Like they got a ton of points from the free throw line. They got a ton of points in the paint and a a pretty decent amount. You know, this wasn't, uh, this isn't like the aces where they just don't shoot any threes, right? They they have a pretty modern game despite kind of playing with the two, two, centers essentially yeah uh i think a lot of that had to do with just their dominance in the paint although you can you bring up the aces the aces obviously had a couple of very dominant paint players as well but you know they knew what they wanted to do they knew where their strengths were and they just hammered those strengths for the full 40 minutes for every single game it was obviously john cole jones and brianna jones in the post you know i think one of our concerns about this team heading into the 2021 season was that they'd be starting the joneses you know both john cole and brianna jones and we weren't really sure how they would kind of coexist. Um, statistically, it wasn't it wasn't bad. You know, I I think that was far from the team's biggest weakness. Yeah, I do think there are some still you know limitations within that uh, within that pairing. You know, it it's a very good regular season success formula. I think because you know with with John Quell Jones, I think one of the concerns I guess we had was just. Um, you know, how, how much space this offense would, would operate, but also just Jones playing the four rather than the five defensively. And, you know, what we saw in the regular season, similar to, you know, I'll bring them up again, kind of the Vegas blueprint is 
for John Quo Jones playing the four rather than the five defensively, like you're really able to just kind of wall off the paint at the expense of giving up a ton of three pointers. This team did give up a lot of three pointers defensively and they kind of had some some shooting luck defensively. They allowed the second lowest three-point percentage allowed. So, you know, I mean, I'm not sure really how much of that they can control. Granted, some of that was, you know, obviously kind of playing off the players you want to play off. And they were, they were number one defensively in terms of um, allowing shots. I'm sorry, they were top four in the league in terms of allowing the lowest proportion of shots within five feet. And they were pretty comfortably number one in defensive field goal percentage in that area so so really kind of packing the middle but you know that that I think is a little bit of a regular season formula and and can really start to burn you when you play you know a team like the sky who can hit 38 percent of their threes over the course of a playoff series what statistically about this sun team really stood out for you because again um like like in terms of you know the four factors uh middle of the pack and effective field goal percentage of course but um third and free throw attempt rate 11th in turnover percentage and first in offensive rebounding by a country mile. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a little surprising given, you know, how this team is kind of like a grinded out team and they're not really pushing the pace, not really playing with any tempo to still turn it over as frequently as they did. Uh, that, that I guess, is a little bit surprising, but, you know, when there's not a ton of room to operate, of course. Um, but then they were number one rebounding on both ends, of course. Uh, and I, again, I think that that is a little bit more of kind of like a regular season driver for success. You know, I don't think there's a ton of correlation with just being a dominant offensive rebounding team and necessarily being like the best team in the league. You've got to have something else besides that. Yeah. I think over the last 10 seasons, only three teams who led the league in offensive rebounding made the WNBA finals and none of them won it. Uh, one of those teams was the sun a couple years ago in 2019. Um, so I think there are more important elements to kind of dominate, but again, in the regular season, you know, you can win a lot of games, just eating people up inside the paint for sure. Those I think were the, the big statistical ones kind of overall. And then of course, you know, we get into some of like their, their per play numbers and play type numbers, which, you know, they look about how you would expect them to look. Yeah, obviously, uh, 38% 38% of their shots coming from within five feet of the basket. Obviously going to be first if you're running that much of your offense through your uh, two centers. Um, top four in not taking long twos, so fewer than 12%. You know, I, I mean, that's 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 good. That, that refers back to the uh, the analytical perspective that, that you alluded to. Um, again, you're not really seeking those shots. You don't have a lot of players seeking those shots, and if you did, I think that would be a problem because obviously you're running everything through uh, the Joneses in the front court, and then kicking it out to those spot up shooters uh, for three pointers. Now you had a um, you had something you wanted to discuss, or at least briefly uh, touch upon about the Suns' uh, jump shot efficiency. They kind of or lack thereof, or jump shot versatility, I should say, or lack thereof, um, and it really bears itself out in those numbers. Yeah, because they were third, in, and I think this team maybe is maybe underrated a little bit in terms of just like being a three point shooting team. Like they have good, capable three point shooters. They were third. Inefficiency in spot of possessions, despite Bonner leading the team in this possession type and not really being an effective, you know, only 44th percentile. She's not a, a great shooter, 31% from three. Um, but Jasmine Thomas, Natisha Heideman, Breon January, John Quill Jones, all four of those players were in the 82nd percentile or higher in spot up efficiency. So that is either, you know, essentially taking a catch and shoot three or attacking off a closeout. So not necessarily kind of creating your own offense. Um, and then they are 11th off of screens. And they were also, I forget if they were 10th or 11th. I have it somewhere in the notes in terms of 
shooting off the dribble. And I think that kind of dichotomy really speaks to like the type of shooters this team has, perimeter players that you can really rely on to hit an open shot, but kind of lacking that perimeter player that really brings with them either a ton of jump shot versatility or someone who can really kind of be dynamic with the basketball. One thing that I was uh, watching for specifically in that Chicago series, the semifinals, was how this guy would defend, you know, their guards. Um, obviously, you know, with looking at this roster construction and how the Sun wanted to play last season, um, the guards would not be, I don't want to say ignored from behind the perimeter, but they certainly weren't the priority. And if there was a kick out to an open three-pointer, this guy would run the Sun guards off the three-point line and force them to kind of operate in that in-between area. I don't think many Sun guards really had that in-between game. It's not a shot they were comfortable taking. And of course, that's not the that doesn't usually drive efficient offense on its own. But when it comes down to it, I mean, you need some player to be able to take and make difficult shots when it comes to the grinded out, slower paced playoff scenarios. And the Sun just didn't have that. What other, I think, notable thing about their offense is that they were second in post-up uh, frequency. I, no surprise there. Third in efficiency. And only eight players in the league had more than 100 post-up possessions, you know, finishing this possession either with a, a shot in that type, uh, in that play type or a turnover. And Connecticut had two of the eight and Vegas had two of the eight. So neither of Connecticut's two and those two are obviously uh, John Quell Jones and Brianna Jones, both who had terrific seasons. Uh, neither of them were more efficient than Liz Cambage, but both were, were more efficient than Asia Wilson. So in terms of kind of like the high volume post scores, like they were, they were both pretty good and they both... Um, had really, really efficient seasons, like over 60% true shooting and stuff like that. So I guess this is a pretty good place maybe to get into John Quo Jones' season, obviously the MVP and doing that, playing in large part a position that we thought was not really going to optimize her. Yeah, it was a good it was a good uh, showcase of John Quo's full, pack, full offensive package. You know? I mean, obviously she improved and obviously she got stronger. I, I know that's something you wanted to say, so I apologize. Um, but it really gave her a chance to show what she can do as the main cog of an offense. Um, she showed, I think, better uh, off-screen shooting. You know, they always ran that set where it, they'd have John Cole Jones uh, coming off a screen for a three-point shot, and she, she nailed quite a few of those. Like, I, I'm not sure. I think maybe as a standstill shooter, I, she's been established, but as somebody who could come off screens and hit those shots, that really opened up a new um, dimension to the Sun offense. But, you know, just taking on the lion's share of the offensive load, whether it be with Brianna Jones on the floor, without Brianna Jones on the floor, she proved that she's not a one-position player, you know, and she proved that she can carry an offense, whether it be through really, really strong post play or just offensive rebounds. I mean, we don't see it enough. Offensive rebounds are a pretty darn good driver of efficient offense, and that's a main reason why the Sun offense ranked, you know, middle of the pack last season. Yeah, and they have been an elite offensive rebounding team, essentially, Every year they've had John Quell Jones since, you know, 2018, and she's not a coincidence. <laughs> perennially, you know, over 10, 11% offensive rebounding. So, um, I, yeah, I just, I guess I didn't really expect for John Quell Jones to be able to get to, you know, 27% usage and especially be effective with 25% of her possessions coming from post ups, you know, with, with this uh, roster type. And she, she was able to kind of overcome that. And obviously it was by design that they played the way that they played, but. We were skeptical, and she definitely, you know, had the best season of her career, a career high in assists. And you did mention the strength, but, um, you know, lower body especially. I thought the last time we saw her in 2019, she had a little bit more trouble. You know, she could beat smaller players with her length, obviously, but, you know, she didn't have that kind of power drop step that I thought she 
came into 2021 with where she would put you know a smaller player pretty much into the goal or, or like size defenders using her lower body strength you know to, to really kind of get those players off balance and get herself good looks at the rim yeah, she definitely improved both uh, physically and skill wise. I mean, I mean the assists, the bringing of the ball up the floor, and the assists. You know, she's not Candace Parker out there with the basketball, but I think she's a very good passer for a player of her height. So, is there anything like y'all she wanted to talk about with John Cole Jones? Because obviously, it, it almost seemed like she was the MVP favorite for most of the season, right? And we we know MVP obviously a narrative driven award. Um, most and, awards are, and I think fair. maybe. You know, we decided that narrative a little too early. You know, I think under Could closer scrutiny, the difference between her and Brittany Griner's season was maybe a little bit closer than, you know, was talked about because it, it was pretty uh, consensus, it seemed, that John Quill Jones deserved that award. But, you know, she did have a pretty significant drop off in the, the second half of the regular season. And I think the, you know, the winning streak kind of masked that a little bit. Absolutely. The winning streak. And then, of course, the, the games that, the sun, the sun struggled in when she was not with the team due to Eurobasket commitments. Um, and then when, when, when it came playoff time, I mean, it was, it was pretty clear who, in my opinion, it was pretty clear who the best player in the league was at that point. But obviously MVP is a regular season award and John Quill was plenty deserving. Yeah. I think one other thing I wanted to talk about with John Quill Jones, and maybe this, you know, would fit better later in the show, but I think one thing I learned about this season on, on the defensive end is, you know, the John Quill Jones at power forward, you know, in some matchups, I think she is better suited as a four, but there are going to be matchups where she does belong at the five defensively, you know, at the four, I think she's right there with Candace Parker as, you know, two of the best players defensively and kind of just not guarding somebody and making life difficult for everybody else when, you know, her assignment does not have her full attention, you know, whether that's Michaela Onionwede or Brianna Turner, like those are the ones that I think uh, John Quell especially kind of really just played off of and, and just She's stood so there. so long, and, you know, she can recover off of them so easily. Yeah, and when you have like another player at center guarding the center, you know, that player will inevitably be close to the basket. And, and then you have John Quell Jones at the four, either, you know, guarding a more paint-based player like Asia Wilson or not guarding someone like the players I just mentioned. It just gives the opposing guards no place to go. But I do think against, you know, certain matchups that have, you know, where the four is a little bit more mobile, you know, a Brianna Stewart uh, or an Elena Deladon, who's maybe not the quickest person, but just has an elite floor spacing. You know, those types, I don't really think you want John Quill Jones guard. You want her playing the five, I think, a little bit more, not only because it, you know, makes things easier for, you know, Alyssa Thomas is just more, a little bit more mobile than Bree Jones, your other big, but just, you know, with with what John Quill Jones' strengths are, she she does not have kind of that elite defensive mobility on the perimeter, I think. Well, fortunately for Connecticut, there are not too many players of Deladon or Stewart's caliber. So, um, no, but you're going to see one of those probably in playoff series. Right? Oh yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. in the regular season, but when you 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 know you got to kind of be ready to to have that versatility and you know make those uh, choices. You know, come playoff time, I guess. Well, they are going to have Alyssa Thomas. I mean, Alyssa Thomas did come back for the uh, the tail end of the 2021 season there, but they will have her back in 2022. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they and and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but kind of how they maybe shift their approach back to 2020 and prior. So we'll see what happens there. You did want to talk about Dewana Bonner briefly. Yeah, I did. I I mean, what did you think about Dewana Bonner's season last year? It was one where, you know, she played, I, I think she, she played really well in those games where they missed John Quell Jones, as did Brianna Jones, you know, her, her overall baseline numbers, you know, look pretty good 
15 points, six and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, two stocks, two turnovers, you know, 31% from behind the arc. That's a pretty good season for Dewana Bonner. Like, did you think it was a, a good year for her? To be honest, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, you know, they, they obviously, they went all in and acquired Bonner prior to the 2020 season. And she is obviously a player who is even at her age going to put up some impressive all around stat lines. But when it comes down to it, I mean, they got her to put them over the top to be a championship caliber roster. And I think they are a championship caliber roster, but when it came down to it in the playoffs, I mean, once again, she was, as you like to say, not an efficient driver, not a driver of efficient offense. Um, and I think her defense was, I don't want to say exposed, but you could tell that there are some players who she just doesn't have an answer for anymore. Yeah, there are just, you know, against certain play types, like she she absolutely erased Benajelani in a lot of those games against the Liberty, right? Because Eleni, she's more of kind of, um, you know, she's going to operate off the dribble a little bit more. Like she's going to take more dribbles to kind of get to her spots. Kalea Copper is just going to blow by you. And she just had no answers for Kalea Copper athletically. You know, efficiency-wise in the playoffs, you know, she pretty much had one good game, one okay game, and, and was pretty bad in, in two others. But I, I guess like... You say you're underwhelmed, and I think that's fair, but like it also seems like this is about as good as you can expect from Dewana Bonner. Like, what is she gonna do better next season, you know, to be she's she's not a great passer for kind of like your lead offensive player. They don't have another kind of lead offensive player that's I think gonna be a better option. So in terms of like what you can kind of expect, like I think they kind of got as good as they're gonna get. Yeah, that could be true. And maybe it's just that, you know, she's not the perfect complement for this type of for that type of front court, you know, if you're playing two, I don't want to say paint bound because John Cole Jones isn't necessarily entirely paint bound, but you know what I'm saying. But you saying. also don't want her taking like two thirds of her shots from behind the arc. Like she is an right. effective paint player. Right. It, it, it's it's almost like, I don't know, man, when I see Duana Bonner or when I saw her last year, you know, maybe this is, I mean, she's always been this way actually, but it just seemed like so many of her shots were more difficult than they had to be. And for a team that had trouble creating shots from its backcourt as it was i'm not sure how helpful that was for the sun oh i mean there were at least a couple occasions especially in that sun series where you know she just turned down the open layup to try to jump in sideways into a defender you know that that is i think vintage duana bonner and you know that stuff works in the regular season right she was 53rd percentile in true shooting and 40th percentile in effective field goal because she's able to be very reliant on her fall seeking behavior but like, you just got to take the easy ones when they're there and, and not, you know, jump in sideways when you have an open layup. I, I remember that one specifically that was in transition. You, you know, you just kind of bang your head against the table there. But let's get into kind of 2022. It's mostly going to be kind of the same looking roster, right? They are essentially swapping out Breon January for Courtney Williams. I think that in a little bit of a way kind of makes the guard rotation a little less coherent because, you know, Courtney Williams and Natisha Heideman, I think, make a lot less sense together than like Brian January and Heidemann. So you don't really have kind of that, you know, January is a, a steward for second unit. She can play, you know, I think at this point we know Heidemann is not a backup point guard, right? She's pretty much like an off ball player, right? But still, you know, obviously they couldn't afford January, but I think this is a move that makes sense, you know, as much as I'm not a fan of Courtney Williams game, but something that kind of, um, you know, shakes up the, the variability of kind of what their outcomes could be. What do you think about Natisha? You know, you, you, you kind of figure she's not really a point guard at this stage in her career, but she did provide some important contributions for last year's team. So playing, do you see her playing next to Courtney Williams a lot? Because with Courtney Williams, at least, you know what you're going to get from her. 
Um, specifically, you know what you're going to get from her playing alongside the rest of the starting lineup, obviously, because you saw that from 2019 and prior. Um, so there's going to be some familiarity there, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely convinced. I, I think it's an, it's an offensive upgrade in some ways, but in other ways, it's not, I don't know. Do you think it's enough to get him over the hump or no? Well, I've, in terms of just like the Heidman part of it, I, I think she had a really nice season last year. I think she's a really great bench guard and, and had a great kind of bench guard season, right? 40% shooting from three, seven threes per 36 minutes, like even beyond just the good percentage, like she gives this team some much needed shooting volume. Seven threes per 36 minutes is a, a really, really great figure. Uh, and obviously when you're hitting 40% of them. Um, and I thought there was a case for Heidemann to maybe close some games for this team against the best teams last year. But there must there's obviously like a disconnect with Kurt Miller here uh, in believing in Heidemann. You know, going with Kyla Charles to start at the two when Brian January went down, like that that never had any chance of success. So, I mean, there just must be kind of a, a ceiling in how much uh, Kurt Miller believes in Natisha Heidemann. To answer the question, do I think this, I think it could get them over the hump, but I don't know if it's because they brought in Courtney Williams necessarily. You know, Alyssa Thomas is coming back. I really like the signing of Yvonne Anderson. I think Anderson can really do some important things for this team. Anderson, if you're not familiar with her game, you know, definitely check out Bobby Mummery's piece on her hoop stats from a couple weeks back, but 54% true shooting in EuroLeague, which is pretty good for a lead guard. You know, 12% of her possessions coming from the free throw line, like right in the same neighborhood as Enrique and Gabby Williams over there on on similar volume about 22 percent of her shots coming from behind the line hitting 30 uh the three-point line hitting 36 percent of them you know almost a two and a half to one assist to turnover ratio so like this is a training camp signee that i actually think can check some real boxes and be not only a good regular season contributor but uh you know maybe actually break this team's playoff rotation as well like she can she can actually do the things that you know we talked about last week or whenever it was that this team needs from that other guard spot, you know, run a pick and roll, finish at the rim, but isn't really taking anything off the table when she's playing off the ball because she can adequately hit catch and shoot jumpers. And she's just much more equipped to run an offense than I think Heidemann is, who, like I said, is just more of kind of a catch and shoot, you know, attack a closeout type player at this point. Would it be a hot take to suggest that they should roster both Heidemann and Anderson heading into the regular season? Because, I mean, it's typical that you see WNBA teams have five bigs on their roster. Okay, we got to have five bigs. We got to have five bigs. Where are the five bigs going to be? But for a team, I mean, you figure Bonner is probably better suited at the four offensively. And you can always play Alyssa Thomas at the five, which I know is a drum you've been beating on for years now. So if you're looking at like, those are your established stars. How is the rest of this roster going to basically maximize the talent of those star players? You've already got both Dijanae Carrington and Kyla Charles on the roster. It'd be really cool if at least one of them could come back to camp with a reliable three-point shot. Otherwise, it's just they're, they're kind of overlapping talents there. So, I don't know. How, how do you how do you see this training camp kind of playing out in terms of finding these players on training camp salaries to best benefit the, or to best um, maximize the talent of players like John Quell and Alyssa Thomas? I mean, for me, I do think Heidemann is... Uh a shoe in to make the roster. So that kind of gives them like a core of seven, right? Thomas, Courtney Williams, and Heidemann in the backcourt, Dewana Bonner, and then Alyssa Thomas in the two Joneses, John Quill and Brianna Jones. So that pretty much leaves you with four roster spots between Kyla Charles, Yvonne Anderson, Dijanae Carrington, Stephanie Jones, Joyner Holmes, and Beatrice Montpremier. Like those... I, I don't think, I, Stephen, I don't think they need to keep both Stephanie Jones and Beatrice Montpremier. 
I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I think at at most you should be keeping one of Jones, Holmes, and Beatrice Montpremier. Like to me, Charles Anderson and Carrington all have to make this roster because I mean, why do you even need? Like, you don't need a fifth big. A fourth big on this team should barely even, like, should see playing time. Like, yeah, they're not going to play anyway, right? So Between Alyssa Thomas and John Quell Jones as your starting front core, and then John Quell Jones obviously has the positional versatility to play both the four and the five, like, you are you should have two of those three players, Thomas and the two Joneses, on the court at all times. So, obviously, you, you know, you're probably going to carry an emergency big. And I think those other three, you know, Anderson as kind of a backup point guard and Charles and Carrington as players on the wing where they they desperately need wing depth and you know players that can kind of give you a little bit of a different skill set and honestly could use the athleticism that both of those players provide um you know charles i think had a little bit of a disappointing second season um you know i'm not i'm not too optimistic about either charles or carrington or mom premier who i think my i would have the edge of, of that last spot of that kind of group of bigs you know, Stephanie Jones, Joyner Holmes, Mom Premier. I think Mom Premier at least kind of has a, a WNBA skill, even if it's only one. And I'm not sure the other two really do. Would, would you agree with that or would you disagree with that? I think I'd agree. I'm not a huge fan of Joyner Holmes, but she does bring that offensive ceiling, but I'm not sure she's ever going to reach that offensive ceiling. At least, like, what does she do that this team really needs? You know, theoretically, she can handle and pass from the big position, but I don't know if that really unlocks or elevates any of these other players on the roster so yeah i think i'd go with bob premier especially if it's just in the case of an emergency big who you need to rebound the ball be long be big um that's pretty much it you know i think the case for Holmes would probably just be like you know none of these players are going to play if they do something has gone terribly terribly wrong and our chances are probably shot anyway so if you're keeping Holmes, you know maybe you're keeping her around because you just kind of believe in her upside a year or two from now a little bit more um understanding that you know none of these players are really going to be playing for you in the playoffs so if you think Joyner Holmes could be a much better player than Stephanie Jones or Beatrice Mont Premier two years from now like that's probably why you keep her around right 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 and and one thing I, I should mention as well is um these contracts are, are pretty much um negligible in terms of salary difference most of them are on the same salary if not uh I mean, they, they can keep any combination of, of, of these three players. So it's not like you're saying, well, Holmes is cheaper or, or, or my premier is more expensive or what. No, I mean, they're all, the Sun can fit any three, any combination of these, any f- combination of three of these players. So it's not like they're trying to pinch any more salary than they already have. So um, any more thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I actually just wanted to kind of finish up with something I was saying before, oh, before I got myself sidetracked. And I was just going to say, like, I'm not too optimistic that any of Charles Carrington, mom premier, the players that I would have rounding out this roster after Heidemann and Anderson, like I don't think any of those players are really good bets to be positive contributors on this team. Charles, as I was kind of alluding to, had just like a major regression on her shooting, which I think we all kind of expected, right? She was, you know, around 40% or, or, you know, mid thirties or something like that, her rookie season. But also to be like, to have that three point shooting uh, regression and then also be like a sub 40% two point shooter, like, for a player with her physical attributes to me is a little bit confounding because she should, she's strong enough, I think, to finish at the rim at the the pro level pretty good. But, you know, if you're going to shoot 21% on your non-paint twos and 30% from three, like you've got to be an elite paint finisher or at least better than like the 45% in the paint we saw from Charles, uh, which, you know, obviously she was not. So that that's going to have to come a long way in year three, I think. 
I agree, but it's like, what is Carrington giving that Charles isn't? Theoretically, she brings some three-point shooting, but she's never really been a great three-point shooter. So Pro- probably a little bit more competence in transition. Okay, all right, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Carrington is a player who can who can get out and, and, and attack in transition. That's true. Yeah, I think she also probably even in the half court has a little bit of a. More, she does have some juice off the dribble. Yeah, more feel to her handle. That's what I was gonna say. Um, where Karen, I mean uh, Charles, I think is more of like attacking a closeout, just kind of like a straight line driver, you know, two dribbles and go up or something like that. Okay, yeah, I mean, if, if you're really looking at the difference between the two, I, okay, I agree with that. But Charles, I do think, is a, a superior defensive player, uh, obviously, because Carrington was a Which a one? If you, had, if you had to pick, which one would you take? You know, I, I think if you are trying to maximize winning right now, which this team probably is, Charles, but I do think Carrington, you know, is way more of a lottery ticket, way more of a chance at being a solid starter, you know, two or three years from now. Okay. So, but for this team, I guess I would go Charles, but they should both make the roster to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there, otherwise, there's just not enough size out on the wing. What does Brianna Jones's role look like on this team in 2022? Like, we, she had obviously a great season. She's been a starter for two years now and has had two really great seasons as a starter and obviously, you know, was relegated a little bit in the playoffs, uh, hardly even breaking, you know, 20 minutes per game uh, outside of one game. So, I mean, what, what do you think that really looks like? That's a great question. I wish I had any insight into that. Um, you know, I mean, and this is, this is the problem. Like Brianna Jones, she's, she's legitimately improved each, each season going back to like 2019. So you want to get her minutes because she is a player who has very valuable strengths to the team. Um, it's kind of an awkward fit with her and John Cole Jones, but I think she just has to be a third big, you know, I I don't really see any, unfortunately she has no positional versatility at all. So that's, that, that's kind of a bummer, especially when you, you have two other players who, probably excel most at the five as well. But if you if you have to find her minutes, I mean, I think she just has to be like a super sub. Are there matchups in the playoffs where Brianna Jones will be a better counterpart with John Quell than Alyssa Thomas would be? Well, uh, not Vegas anymore because Cambage isn't there. Well, I mean, maybe LA? LA maybe, yeah. I mean, I think... Depending I, on which I, I think Alyssa Thomas actually is, is a pretty good matchup against LA because, you know, John Quell Jones... Oh, oh, so so versus Alyssa Thomas, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brianna okay. Jones as kind of the second closing big with John Quell. It was kind of the question. No, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think they've. I think they've bound themselves to this Thomas John Quell Jones front court. We saw that last year in the playoffs. You know, where Alyssa Thomas came back. You know, almost ahead of schedule. Like that was. First of all, let me just say that was amazing how how she recovered from that Achilles injury and, and looks basically like new. But they, I think. I think it'd be fair to say that they had problems really assimilating her back into the lineup. Well, I also think that Chicago is a terrible matchup for Brianna Jones. Also true. Yeah. You know, I I think the way that they kind of play five out most of the time, and especially because all of their bigs have have pretty plus athleticism for their position, um, I I don't think that that you know that's much more of an Alyssa Thomas series I think than a Brianna Jones series. Okay, but but you're you're right. But I guess my point is, you know, I don't think, I think Kurt Miller basically bought himself to, once again, the Alyssa Thomas, John Cole Jones pairing. Um, and it stinks because Brianna Jones definitely has earned starting caliber minutes. But when you look at the matchups, I mean, you're right. I don't really see many matchups, especially in the playoffs, where, you know, I mean, which which other teams are going to be starting two paint-bound bigs, you know? Yeah, I was thinking Phoenix, but I still probably like Alyssa Thomas in that one a little bit more than than Brianna Jones. Um, I do think Jones, Brianna Jones probably does a little bit better of a job on Griner than John Quell Jones does. 
um, but you probably still want Alyssa Thomas in that one. I don't know. It, it's tough. Well, like, if, if Tina Charles, I mean, both Charles and Griner aren't going to be in the paint at the same time, right? So if it's just Charles spotting up, I think then Alyssa Thomas would still be the better bet. I, we'll, we'll see. That's an interesting uh, thing to watch for. All right. So this is, you know, a, a team that we've kind of hinted at a few times is, is going to look different. Like, what do you see as the strengths and weaknesses for this team next season, uh, particularly kind of compared to, you know, the the sort of caricature team we saw last year? Well, compared to the team we saw last year, I, I think there's still going to be a really, really solid defense. Maybe not quite as good because you're not going to have Brian January and, and uh, Jasmine Thomas together out there just putting opposing perimeter players in jail. Um, but I think they still will be like a top three defense. Um, I think they're still going to be a good rebounding team. What, what I'm looking at is how is the pace of play going to change? Because they obviously made a concerted effort to slow things down and play very, very much through the post last uh, last season. So with Alyssa Thomas, she is at one of those players who is – She's a one-player fast break. Um, obviously, she can make plays on defense. She can roam and make plays on defense and can get out in transition and, and really just create offense out of nothing. So how does that change? You know, they were a pretty fast-paced team with her in the lineup, historically speaking. So I don't see why that it, it shouldn't go back to more of that kind of style. Yeah, so they were 10th in transition frequency in 2021. They were second in transition frequency in 2019, the last time they had John Quell and Alyssa Thomas and Courtney Williams all together. So 10th in 2021, second in 2019. Which one of those do you see them being closer to this season? I think they're going to be closer to the top. I don't see I, I don't see if you have Alyssa Thomas as a mainstay in your offense why you'd be playing slow. I think there's a better, I think, let me put it this way. I think John Quell Jones is better playing fast than Alyssa Thomas is playing slow. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. I had to, it took me a second to process what you said, but yeah, no, I think that's, that's definitely true. And John Quell, I think has had effective transition seasons in the past. You Cause know, it's happened before mm-hmm. as a trailer shooting threes and stuff like that. I think she's, I, I think we even saw her in the few times she, they got out in transition in 2021, you know, handling it out there. That was a much improved part of her game. I think from the last time we saw her. So I agree with you. And I think, you know, if they want to, be the best version of this team, they're, they're going to have to be kind of closer to that top four number in transition frequency, getting out and running here. They have to, because otherwise, you know, the half-court offense just isn't going to be there enough, I don't think, um, particularly in the playoffs. And, you know, speaking of which, I, I just want to touch on this one point. They, I know you already said this, but I got to say it again. They were so bad at, at protecting the basketball, at taking care of the basketball for a team that really didn't take that many risks in the half-court offensively. So, that number needs to go down significantly if they're going to have a shot at winning the championship. You know, I, we, we brought this up before last season, but like how many times did you just see one of their perimeter players just like throw the ball out of bounds? Like when <laughs> it was like, they weren't even like high risk turnovers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of unforced errors, especially in that uh, sky series. Of know? course that, that does give, you know, your defense the time to get back against it, but they're just wasted possessions. Well, on not, a team a, not if they're live ball turnovers. Can't, well, not if they're live ball. Right, right, right. But I'm saying like, they're just wasted possessions on a team that already can't afford to waste possessions. So some other strengths I have here, you know, I think this, I don't know if you agree with this. I think this might be the deepest team that this group has seen in the last few seasons. You know, I think they have, you know, maybe seven and depending on uh, what Anderson brings to this level of play, eight really solid playoff contributors um, where, you know, this was like in 2019, you know, they, they could barely even bring anybody off the bench. You know, Alyssa Thomas was running back up point guard for them in that Mystics series. Um, you know, Bria Holmes kind of completely lost it towards the end of the, the season. So, 
Clarendon was obviously injured by that time as well. So um, how do you think this team's depth stacks up against kind of recent vintages? That's a good point, and I agree. Um, not necessarily because of the addition of Yvonne Anderson, but because they have Williams, Bonner, Alyssa Thomas, John Cole Jones all in the fold. This is what this I think they wanted this team to look like prior to the bubble season. You know, Obviously, they, they lost Courtney Williams in free agency prior to that season because he just couldn't afford her. But now that she's back, you know, you don't need... I don't think you need a 10-player a, a rotation in order to have functional depth when you also have lineup versatility. Like you said, Alyssa Thomas still is a, a good shot creator for others. She's a value-added passer. And then you have Duana Bonner, who has positional versatility. So I think you can at least... You're not bound to any one particular lineup out there, you know? If you want to substitute Heidemann for Thomas, if you want to substitute Anderson for Thomas or Williams, you can do that and still maintain much of your identity. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think maybe in, in terms of just names they can throw out there, you're obviously not going to have Shakina Strickland being played off the floor like she was in the 2019 playoffs, but you're also not going to be bound to a defense-only lineup either, unless, you know, Kurt Miller just completely loses trust in Heidemann or Williams for whatever reason. Well, well so, let me ask you, do you think this team will be a better offense this season or a better defense? Like, which will they rank higher in? I think they'll rank better defensively. I still don't see a, a ton of, like, great offensive personnel here. You know, they still have Jasmine Thomas, who is a player I love, but, you know, is has strengths and weaknesses uh, clearly defined on the offensive end. You know, they Alyssa Thomas, for as much as I, I love her, I think she's more of a defensive contributor than an offensive one um particularly when things kind of bog down in the half court she's never been the most efficient player you know Dewana Bonner obviously if she's if she's a positive player it's because she's bringing things on the defensive end right. so um you know the roster to me still does still lean defense I would say okay yeah no I I, I definitely agree with that uh, I think they'll be I think they'll be a top three defense and I think they'll be a top four team in the league what do you think yeah, let me let me finish up with my strengths and weaknesses here. Uh, I okay. think spot up shooting should still be a strength. You know, when they can get clean attempts, I think they'll still be pretty good. Spacing, you know, maybe will be harder to come by, but but maybe not as they kind of reintegrate Alyssa Thomas and Courtney Williams. Um, you know, we saw how offensive starved Bonner Thomas Bree Jones lineups can be when we saw that in the bubble. So I, I don't really know how to kind of evaluate what their overall spacing will look like, but I think they have a team full of pretty decent shooters. Uh, like you said, I think they're going to be a very strong defense. It might not look exactly like it did last year, but they still have a lineup essentially full of, you know, four all-defense players and then another one coming off the bench. In terms of weaknesses, you know, I, I don't think this is a great passing team. You know, they were in the lower half in assist percentage last year. You know, Alyssa Thomas brings a little bit more to that than I think, you know, Bree Jones probably does. Maybe Courtney Williams can help here. You know, I don't think Williams is like a, a meaningfully better passer than January, but just maybe that extra juice off the dribble gives her the advantage to just open things up for passing opportunities. You know, even if her proficiency as a passer isn't, you know, she just doesn't pass it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but she's, you know, she's had pretty good pick and roll numbers and stuff like that in the past, even if it wasn't last year. Um, They still don't have any dribble penetration, you know, with the exception of Dewana Bonner, who does give you some of that from the perimeter, unless Anderson kind of really comes over and contributes and maybe takes serious minutes away from uh, Williams or Heidemann, which I think is a long shot, but, you know, maybe. And, you know, this team is just going to have tough choices, right? They, you know, I don't know if you can really consider this a weakness, but they can't play their five best players at the same time, I think. You know, they they have to either play an undersized four who can just kind of be ball racked against the very best offensive fours, you know, Wilson, Deladon, stuff like that. Alyssa Thomas, you know, those players can just shoot over her. 
or they have to play two centers and give up some versatility defending the perimeter. And there's just no real way to play John Quell and Bree Jones and Alyssa Thomas and Dewana Bonner together. And those I think are are definitely four of their five best players. That's a good point. That's a good that's a good question to be raised. And uh, I don't know if we'll see that question answered, to be honest with you. Because again, it's just it's just the fit of this roster and the fit of these players. You know, the more that I think about it, the more I think Kurt Miller has done an excellent job of making these pieces fit. Because on paper, it's just weird. Especially because, like I said, like I always say, Alyssa Thomas really hamstrings your half-court offense. Um, defensively, you keep, you keep saying it, both Brianna and Jacqueline Jones, there's not much defensive versatility there, and it doesn't really match up well with many of the best teams' front courts. So, yeah, that's that's a very valid weakness and a, and a very valid question. Any other weaknesses that jump out to you? I, athletically speaking, this is, I'm stealing this from your notes. I don't think they're, I think they're a below average team athletically. Yeah, I think they, I would say that they're probably more athletic than they were last year, though. Well, yeah. I mean, Courtney Williams is a great athlete, but. And Alyssa Thomas of, is back. Yeah, Alyssa Thomas, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm saying, like, what, how much of that athleticism, like, okay, Alyssa Thomas, obviously going to add a new dimension to their, their transition game, but Courtney Williams, yeah, she's really athletic. She can. She gets great elevation on her mid-range jumper. You know, I mean, like, how much is it? Is it Kalia Copper athleticism? No. No, that's a great point. And I I agree with you. I do think this is, you know, especially among kind of like real championship contenders, they're a below average team yeah. athletically. Um, so let's get into our overall outlook here. You kind of hinted that that you still think they're, they're going to be pretty good. I think they will probably take a little bit of a step back in the regular season, you know, probably won't win 81% of their games or whatever, but they will have a little bit more versatility, right? A little bit more kind of variability with their upside. You know, I said this two years ago, right? I kind of thought that that core maybe, you know, stalled out a little bit. Like, I don't think the Courtney Williams, Shakina Strickland team was like going to take another step forward. So kind of mixing it up and bringing in Bonner, I thought was kind of like a a trade-off worth making just to kind of get a different look at, at championship upside. And I, I think I feel the same way with Courtney Williams and Brian January, you know, the January version of this team wasn't going to be any better than it was last year. So even if they, even if they aren't as good, you know, the, the trade-off to me is still worth it. Not, not that they had a choice really because Brian January got paid much more than they could have afforded to pay her. But um, I still feel pretty good about this team, at least hosting a first round series, you know, being in the top four. And I, I do think they're kind of right there as, as a title contender. I would have them in my kind of top tier of teams at this point. Alongside who would they be in that, in that first year? Uh, I would say Chicago is the other team to me that are kind of within the the championship favorites. Okay. Well, we'll see if they meet in the playoffs again for a, a rematch of last year's semifinal. Anything else you want to talk about? I think we should at least talk about the draft a little bit. Um, I don't think they're going to have much to do in the draft, um, but they've got the last pick in each of the three rounds. Um, is there a type of player you think the Sun should be targeting? I mean, th- th- this is a this is an obvious stash situation, right? Yeah, they cannot afford their first round pick. So if they are going to <laughs> use that number twelve pick, um, it has to be with a player that you know feels comfortable not coming over this year, or you know maybe somebody, maybe there's a player at twelve that someone else likes and, and gives up a future first. But it seems very unlikely that a team would give up a future first just for the number twelve pick. So you know they might just light this one on fire. I think. Okay. All right. That's that. That's a good. Uh, and, and obviously the Sun probably aren't going to be making any trades because it's like, who are they going to trade, right? So. All right. I mean, this is a pretty straightforward one. Um, by the way, we started with Connecticut because, you know, we, we started this season. Obviously, the draft, has, we haven't had the draft yet. Um, 
Not sure if the draft date has even been announced yet. So that's yeah, what's fun. the date for that, Eric? I I, I don't know. I, I typical, <laughs> pretty typical of the NBA. But anyway, um, we sided with the Connecticut Sun because we felt like this is the team that has the least remaining to do on their docket. Um, we started with Connecticut. I think Phoenix is next, right? Yeah, I think we'll go with Phoenix. We're, we're going to like obviously prioritize the teams where the draft has less significance to them. Even yes. if a team like LA has the first round, has a first round pick, we'll probably do them before the draft because, you know, we can talk a little bit more about like the type of player they'll target more so than how that player can integrate into the roster. So. Right, right. So the, the, the least remaining to do for, for each team uh, happens first. Um, so yeah, so don't worry. Uh, whoever your favorite team is, we will get to them. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, Stephen, you want to uh, sign us off? Sure. Thank you all for listening. If you want to support the show, you can follow, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at Double Down WNBA. You can follow each of us on Twitter at Nemchok E for Eric and at Trinkwald for myself. And we'll be back next week with a Phoenix Mercury Outlook episode. All right. Take care, everyone.